Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. You know, uh, James always tells all these guys on these trips, he says, and when we do the calls on Thursday nights, one of the things he always says is what is said here stays here. But I'm going to divulge just a little bit of information. And... uh, that is, we have a brand new coffee recipe. <laughs> and uh, uh, all the guys know what I'm talking about, but uh, somebody, uh, somebody brought fruity water. And uh, yes, somebody, well, I'm not saying any names, but they're running sound this morning. So they, they brought fruity water, and when it came time to make a pot of coffee, we didn't know it was fruity water. And we're all drinking this coffee. To, what, is, what is up with this? But, but anyway, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking we might introduce that in the cafe, and, um, uh, or maybe not. But... Um, Anyway, I am excited, as always, to share the Word of God with you today. This is one of my favorite things to do. Probably, probably, my, uh, probably not, more, not one of my favorite, but probably my absolute favorite thing to do is to open the Word of God and begin to, to teach you. I am uh, a teacher at heart, and so I love to teach the Word of God. And so we, have, we started a series Uh, a few weeks ago called Even As Your Soul Prospers, and that comes from the passage of Scripture in 3 John 2. Now, remember, there's only one chapter in 3 John, so we don't say usually 3 John 1, 2, even though technically that's what it is, Uh, but uh, we just usually say 3 John 2. And so, uh, don't start looking for the second chapter because it's not there. All right? Uh, but open your Bibles, and uh, I want to remind you, you should always bring a Bible in some form. Maybe it's on a tablet, maybe it's on a phone, but, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe you brought a scroll or, uh, you know, something like that. But in some form, you should have a Bible with you so you can check out what I'm saying. Make sure what I'm telling you is right. Make sure it's what is written. Praise God. And so 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, just, just a little bit about 
about John, the Apostle John. Um, he was one of the inner circle uh, that was with Jesus and, and walked with Jesus. And, and uh, you know, we hear about Peter, James, and John were, the, were the, the inner circle that were really close to Jesus. He had 12 disciples that, that followed him around and actually many, many more disciples than that. But there were 12 that were, that were closest to him. And out of the 12, there were the three that were the inner circle. And John was one of them. And um, John is the, um, the disciple that Jesus loved. You say, well, I thought he loved them all. Well, he did, but John somehow had this thing that he, he seemed to think that Jesus loved him more than anybody else. But, you know, that's one of the things about the Lord is when you get close to him, you start feeling like he must love me more than anybody you know, because, uh, because that's, that's how he is. That's, that's the relationship that he wants to have with you. And so John, he's known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. But the reason I say John had this idea because nobody else said that about John. John said that about himself. We know that from John's very own writings that he, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. And uh, uh, so John walked with the Lord, was very close to the Lord. But as Jesus went back to heaven and, and, and the apostles' ministry um, began in, uh, in the earth and they began to go and, and to, uh, as the book of Mark uh, concludes, it says they went everywhere and preached the gospel and the Lord worked with them concerning uh, confirming the word with signs following. And so John was there. He was one of those that went everywhere preaching the gospel. But there came a time when those disciples began to die off. Uh, and uh, they were all martyred, actually. They, they all died for the cause of Christ. And uh, yet John was the very last one that was left. All of the other 12 had all, uh, you know, of course, Judas never made it to, um, but just to, you know, he, he went out and hanged himself after he betrayed Jesus. And uh, then that left the 11. Well, the 11 went out and they began to one at a time uh, be uh, martyred. And John is the only one left. And they tried to, history tells us that, uh, that they tried to kill John and couldn't kill him. They, they tried to boil him in oil, the tar and feather him kind of thing, and, and uh, that he wouldn't die. And so they exiled him to the island of Patmos, which was a, a prison island. And John is there, and if you look at the last book of your Bible, the book of Revelation, John is the one who received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, in, uh, in the book of Revelation, and he wrote that. And in that is contained seven messages that, are, that were written specifically to seven churches that were in, in Asia at that time. And um, he wrote those, those letters. It, it starts off this way. It says, to the, to the angel of the church at, 
and, you know, and, and begin to talk about that. Well, the angel of the church is actually the messenger of the church. It's the word angelos, and it means a messenger. And in many places, it's translated as messenger. And uh, so, uh, you know, I personally believe that this was not uh, a, an actual angelic being, but this messenger that he was writing to was actually the pastor of the church. And he had some things to say to those churches. But here we find John in this letter. Uh, that's what a, the word epistle means is a letter. And so this is the epistle written by the apostle John. And he wrote this, this letter. And he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And I spent the first week of this series talking about what it meant to, for your soul to prosper. We talked about what your soul is, uh, that it's not synonymous with, with your spirit. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that as your mind and your will and your emotions prosper, it causes you to prosper in other areas of your life. So what we're going to talk about today is how that your soul prospering affects your health. Because what did he say? I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So your soul prospering, you being successful with, in your mind, your will, and your emotions is going to affect your health. Praise God. And so if we're going to, you know, we, we preach divine healing around here. We preach that God wants you healthy. He doesn't want you sick. He, and some have said, well, you know, that's, that's just how we're going to, you know, eventually get off this planet. Because we're going to die. And, and, you know, but, but and while that's true, if we understand what Jesus did, it is not God's will for you to die sick. The Bible does say it is appointed unto man once to die. So the day is going to come when every single one of us, unless Jesus returns first, every single one of us, we're going to die. But you don't have to be sick to die. Praise God. You know, the, the Bible says that they, it talks about some of the patriarchs of old that they gave up the ghost. They, 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 they weren't forced. You know, their, their spirit being, which is the real person, wasn't forced out of their body. They gave up the ghost. They gave up their spirit. And they departed from the body and went to be with the Lord. Now, uh, I'm not saying that's true about every one of them, but I'm saying many of them, that was the case. And I believe that it is God's will for us to be in health. So I've already made my plans. I'm not ready yet. Okay? So it's, it's not going to happen this afternoon. Uh, you know, I, I, but I've made my plans that when, uh, when I have finished everything God's given me to do, I don't plan on leaving until I'm finished. Okay? And I, I, I say that 
because I want you to develop that mentality. In fact, just say that to yourself right now. Say, I'm not leaving till I'm finished. And you begin to determine that God's given you a, a, a call and he's given you a, a work to do here on this earth. You know, Jesus saved you and then he left you here after he saved you to seek and to save that which is lost because God wasn't willing that any should perish. You know, it, it wasn't just you that he wanted saved. He wants the whole world. And uh, I'll just share this real, real quickly that uh, one day I was uh, gathering pecans. I've got nine pecan trees. And on the ground, you know, you pick up, anybody knows anything about this, most of you do, uh, that you pick them up and put them in a bucket and, and you go down to see an our pecan and sell them. <laughs> so I'm out here gathering pecans and... I have been working for a couple of hours on this, and I needed to do some other things. So I picked up my bucket, and I headed to the house. I'm through gathering pecans, and uh, so I'm, I'm heading to the house, and then I see a couple more laying over here. So I stop, set my bucket down, pick up those two, put them in my bucket, pick it up again, and head to the house again. And then I, I get over there, and there's a couple more. So I stop and pick those up. And... Uh, this happened oh, probably five or six times that I would start to the house and stop and pick up some more. And the Spirit of God spoke to me that day, and He says, you know, that's how I am about to harvest. I want them all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, He's not willing that any should perish. Praise God. But, but I said all that to say that, you know, He left you here to reach the world with the good news of Jesus. Praise God. And he, and he put you on this planet and, 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 he, and he saved you and brought you into his family and he gave you that job to do. So don't give up on your job and say, okay, well, I'm, I'll just go on to heaven. Just, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be. When it's my time, it's my time, you know. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You know, and I've heard many people say, and I encourage you to get this out of your vocabulary, that, well, when it's your time, there's nothing you can do about it. I don't find that in Scripture. I find that as somebody's religious idea. But it's not Scripture. Praise God. In fact, my Bible tells me, with long life, I will satisfy Him. He's not talking about God. He's talking about you. God is saying, I will satisfy him. So with long life, I will say, so I've made up my mind that until I'm satisfied that I have finished what God's given me to do, I plan to stay. Praise God. Praise God. And, and, and please begin to develop that mentality, you know. Uh, it, it's not just whenever God says it's my time, there's nothing I can do about it. You can do something about it. You tell, no, Lord, I'm, I'm not finished yet. I mean, you know, you say, well, can you actually talk to God that way? Yes. Yeah, you can. You can because he said he would satisfy you. Right. Praise God. So let's, let's go back and let's look at this. Um, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health 
just as your soul prospers. So what we're doing today is we're, we're working on some soul prosperity. Soul prosperity is when you begin to change your mind about things. And there is a word that we say so much in the church. It's a word that, you know, repentance. The word repentance, most Christians understand the word repentance like this, that it means to, to turn from your sins. And I'm not saying you shouldn't turn from your sins. Absolutely, you should. But that's not what the word repentance means. Now, if, it's, if it specifically says repent of your sins, then that's what it's talking about. But repentance can just mean that you very simply changed your mind about something. So I, my prayer today is that there's a lot of repentance going on in the house today, that you're changing your mind about some things, that you're changing your mind about your health, that you're changing your mind about the length of your life, that you're changing your mind about some of these things, praise God. And, and so when you do that, you are repenting. Has anybody repented of anything yet? Yet this morning? Okay. Maybe we've, we've been able to show you some things from God's Word that have caused you to change your mind about something. Praise God. So, and, and when you do that, that is your soul, your mind, prospering. Praise God. So he says, I want you to prosper in all things. Praise God. Now, you will do that as your soul Prospers. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and I want us to look at verse number 10. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. So, notice what it said. Let's just read the last part of that verse, and then we'll go back and we'll bring the first part of it into it so so you, you see the application of it. The last part of it says, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, that, that, sounds, that sounds pretty bad. If you want to know what curses he's talking about, go to the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy and read from about verse 15 all the way through the end of, uh, of the, the 28th chapter. And there you will find all kinds of curses that are named. Uh, you know, uh, everything from, from financial to uh, relationships to your children to you know the work that you do to your health. There's all kinds of curses that are named there, and here it says, "Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things." Notice the word "all" there. That's very important. He says, "Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in this book of the law." So, 
The point being that if you are under the law and you don't, do not fulfill the law 100%, not 99.9, it is 100%. If you do not fulfill the law 100%, then these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. So that sounds hopeless. But in reality, that's what the law was meant to do, to bring us to a place where we could not trust in our own ability. To bring us to a place, that's why we got to back up to the first part of this verse. And it says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone. And then we go to the 13th verse, and here's where we really find the good news. The good news is, in verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Praise God. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He hung on a tree, right? The curse came upon him. God had put that passage in the Bible for a very specific reason so that when they nailed Jesus to a cross, it caused the curse, the totality of the curse, to come upon him. Where did it come from? From you. It was on you, but it came off of you and onto him. Now I want you to begin to see it that way. See, we're changing our mind. We're changing our mind. We're, we're, we're beginning to see something a little different. We're beginning to see that this curse that was on me, because I am in Christ, is coming off of me and onto him. Praise God. And I, I, I like to say it this way, just so you can get the visual image, is that he became a curse magnet. When they nailed him on the cross, he became a magnet for the curse that all of the curse came upon him. Now, you say, well, I'm still experiencing the curse. Well, here's the thing. The curse comes off of you when you are in him. See, I can't get the curse off of me by doing all the works of the law. The reason I can't is because I can't do all the works of the law. I can't fulfill them all. I'm incapable of 100% keeping the law. In fact, uh, you know, I was, I was just looking at this this morning that, um, let's go to James chapter 2. Let me, let me show you this. James chapter 2, verse number 8. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture. And he tells you what the royal law is. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you do what? Tell me. You, I heard one person say it. There's more than one that's following in your Bible, right? Okay. All right, so if you're following in your Bible, you should see the next words that are, uh, that are written there. If you show partiality, you do what? Commit sin. Commit sin. 
So, in other words, if you show partiality, if you do not fulfill the royal law. And he said the royal law is that you love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love your neighbor as yourself, he says you commit sin. You're showing partiality and you're committing sin. So he just made every single one of us guilty right there. He just convicted every single one of us. Therefore, if I am depending upon myself to get the curse off of me, I'm in trouble because my own works have done nothing but caused the curse to come on me. But the curse comes off of me because I trust in what Christ did. He became the curse for me. Praise God. So here's the thing. People go to Deuteronomy 28. People that, that understand nothing of the grace of God. They just understand a law-based religion. They go to Deuteronomy 28, and, and, and they, they begin to say, but, you know, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to do all the things that are written in this book of the law, and you keep these commandments, he says, then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And I've heard Christians say this. They said, well, Lord, because I keep all your commandments and because, therefore, these blessings are coming upon me and overtaking me. You just lied to God. You have not kept all these commandments. I promise you, you have not. And so don't make your law-based confession and say, well, God, because I did this, then these blessings are going to come upon me. and over." No, these blessings are not going to come upon you and overtake you because you kept all the commandments, because you didn't keep all the commandments. So if you're going back to your law-based confession, forget it, because you do not measure up. Now, all this I'm saying is not to put you down, but to make you realize that you need some other way. And the other way is trusting in what Jesus did. See, when I come under what Jesus has done, I get out from under that law, and I get under what Jesus has done, and everything that he did is now counted to me. He is the only person that ever fulfilled all of the law. He fulfilled it all. So let's get out from under the law. Now, what we started out reading this morning is that, uh, you know, talks about all those who are of the works of the law. That means that you are trying to approach God on the basis of the law. But all you are doing when you do that is you are digging yourself a hole because you did not do all. But praise God, what Jesus did is imputed to me. What Jesus did is counted to me. Praise God. Praise God. So you say, well, okay, so how do I... 
how do I make my confession now? How, how do I approach God now? Well, here's how you do that. You say, thank you, Father, that you took all my sickness, my disease, you laid it on Jesus. He bore it for me. He disposed of it properly. He, he took care of it. He fulfilled all the commandments. He did it all on my behalf. And I thank you, Father, that now I can come before you based on what he did, not what I did. The moment I start putting me into it, that's when I get in trouble. The moment I acknowledge what Jesus did, that's the moment I get out from under the law. That is the moment I am no longer of the works of the law. That is the moment I am now of faith. That's what faith is. Faith is not believing, oh, God's going to do this, or, or, or believing oh, God can do this. God can heal. We all know he can, but that's not what faith is. You know, we all know that he can. We all know he's willing. But when I, when I begin to approach God on the basis of what I did, I am no longer under what he did. I'm now under law. I put myself under the law, and any time I put myself under the law, the only thing I qualify for is the curse. Sometimes we wonder, why are we, why are we living under the curse? Why are we experiencing the Because you're approaching God on the basis of what you did. Well, I'm trying really hard. That's the problem. That's the problem. We think that trying harder it, you know, that somehow we're going to be able to do better. But the fact is, if we miss it in one point, one, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How many did we disqualify right there? You know, how many of you in the room, you honestly love your neighbor as yourself? Now, your neighbor can... Uh, that doesn't refer to just the guy that lives next door to you. That refers to <laughs> the, the rest of humanity yeah. around you. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The person around you, whoever that may be. Like I say, you might like the guy that lives next door to you. You know, you might really th have a good relationship with this person. But that's not the only person that qualifies as your neighbor. Your neighbor qualifies, uh, can be a stranger. Your neighbor can be the person sitting next to you. Your neighbor can be the person that, that, that you uh, go to work with. Your neighbor can be the person, you know, anybody other than you is your neighbor. So, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Even the neighbor who you can't get along with, even your neighbor who gives you a hard time, even the neighbor that lets his dog run in your yard and mess up your yard, you know, even the neighbor that parks on your grass, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did we disqualify anybody else to, you know, when we start talking about this? See, we're all disqualified if we're doing it on the basis of what we did. 
That's why I've got to get out of this self-qualification mentality, and I've got to change my mind. My soul has to prosper. My soul has to be renewed. I am told to renew my mind. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's your spirit being. Your spirit was recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. But that's not your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Praise God. So when my will says, I really want to hurt this guy, your soul needs to prosper. Your soul needs to be renewed. Praise God. Praise God. But, you know, here's the way we need to think about this. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even that. That I got I to think, okay, well, I love that guy. I, I love that person that, that, that's parked on my grass. I, I love that person. No, I got to change my mind and say it's not about what I think about him. It's what I chose to receive about Jesus. See, because even though I may, through self-effort, finally come to a place that I can really, you know, I can bake some cookies and I can take them to the guy next door that just, you know, that plays his music loud all night. I can, uh, you know, I can, I can bring myself to love that guy. But, uh, you know, to, to, to love that person. And even though you might be able to do that, then there's going to be somebody else moves in on the other side of you. And you got to start the thing all over again. Praise God. But one thing that will never change is what Jesus did. So I can get out from under all of that self-effort stuff by renewing my mind to what Jesus did. By beginning to recognize I cannot help myself. Now, some of you don't like that whole idea. I, I tell you right now, religious people don't like that idea. I can't help myself because they think they can. But it's not the truth. Truth is you cannot help yourself. Truth of the matter is that the only thing you can do, and this is why God gave us the law. God didn't give us the law to give us a way to please him. He gave us the law to show us we could not. You got to be, we got to be convinced, you know, we're, we're, we're people, we have to be convinced of things. We got to be convinced of the reality. I have to be convinced that I could not help myself. And that's, that's what we're, you know, the Bible says that, that the law is good when it's used lawfully. Well, this is how you use the law lawfully, by using it to do what it was intended to do. It was intended to convince you that you could not help yourself. And the only help for you is Jesus. Praise God. This is what it means to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble myself in the sight of the Lord, that doesn't mean I think I'm, you know, I, I begin to... Uh, uh, get into this whole thing of, of, of self-denigration. That, that's not what it's talking about. 
you know, well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, lowly and, and poor old me, and I, I'm no good, and I'm, you know, that, that's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about an honest assessment that we cannot measure up to God's standards. We needed help. And God sent help. Praise God. And we must accept the help he sent. Praise God. This is why Jesus said you must be born again. You must be. It's not optional. There is no other way. And I was, I was having a conversation with someone this week and, and talking about, uh, you know, there was a time when we had activities back here in the back of the building. And, and uh, when you're back here in the back, you can't tell when somebody comes in the front. There's nobody up front here. So we would put a sign on the door that says, use the Elm Street entrance. And... The Lord has showed me something. He said, you know, that, that's kind of like when I said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He said, that's essentially what you did. You said, nobody's getting in here except through the Elm Street door. But I didn't tell you you can't come in. I told you how to come in. God didn't say, some people can't come to me. He said... You can only come to me this one way. If he didn't want you in, just don't tell you how to get in. If I didn't want people in, I don't put the sign on the front door. I put the sign on the front door to tell everybody, this is how you get in. Praise God. So we're not trying to keep all the front door people out. We're trying to tell all the front door people, you're going to have to come in the side door. Praise God. Does that, does that make sense to anybody? Amen. You know, God said, I sent Jesus. He's the only way. You can't help yourself. There is no other religion. There is no other God. There is no other way that is going to help you except Jesus. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. And he was trying to tell everybody how to get in. But at the same time, he's trying to tell everybody, this is how you get healed. This is how you get healthy. This is how you begin to prosper in every area of your life, by trusting in what Jesus did. He's, he's not just the way to get to heaven. He's the way to everything that God has for you. Whatever you need from God, Jesus is the way. Praise God. It's not me doing better. It's Jesus is the way, and I'm going to have to come by that way. I thank God for His grace. Thank God that even when we're ignorant sometimes, and, and, and we don't know, we don't understand, thank God for His grace that, that helps us out anyway. I'm not saying that if you hadn't got this revelation that you're never going to get healed. That's not what I said. What I said is there is the grace of God that even when we don't have the revelation, Jesus still picks us up. But if you want to be consistent and consistently walk in health 
and consistently walk in God's provision, you're only going to do it by putting yourself under the cover of what Jesus did. So that when you come before God, you can say, Father, I thank you that Jesus took this sickness. And because Jesus took it, I don't have to. I thank you, Father, that Jesus became poor so that I could be abundantly supplied. I thank you, Father, that Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken, so I never have to be forsaken. He was mocked and abused, so I don't have to be. Now, I'm not saying people will never do that to you. People might, but God never will. Hallelujah. You've always got somebody that accepts you. Praise God. Praise God. You might say, well, God, you know, I really tried to change. I really try hard to change, but I just can't do it. And he says, Jesus got you covered. Put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. When you put your trust in him, then he begins to live in you and through you and empower you to change. Praise God. You know, I want to be better. How am I going to get better? Not by trying harder, by trusting more. Praise God. By trusting more. That's how I'm going to get better. That's how you're going to get better. By trusting more. Praise God. Praise God. see where else we want to go because I, I could go all day you, you all know that but let, let's look at this Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them verse 11 says but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. You see, you said, well, Pastor, you have to show me this in the Bible. I just did. Right there. All right. Now, let's go back to James chapter 2. Start with verse 8 again. Here he says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. What's the law of liberty? The law of liberty is the blood of Jesus has paid the penalty. So now I am liberated. I am free. The law of liberty. Christ has set me 
free from the curse of the law. Praise God. And then in verse 13, he says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Now, when he's talking about showing mercy, that's a guy that's under the law, and he's not showing mercy, so he's saying he's not going to get any mercy. But then he goes on and he says, But mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is when you get what you didn't deserve. He, God had mercy on us, and he sent us help. Hallelujah. Back to Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come. See, the reason he hung on the tree and became the curse is so the blessing could come. That's what he said right there. He says, the blessing might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise God. There's a way for you to walk in the blessing that he has provided in Christ. And that is by putting your trust in what Christ did. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. Anybody ever heard anybody? Maybe you've said it yourself. Well, I'm sick because God is punishing me for my sins. Well, let me read this. Let's, let's see if that's really the case. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is what? It's death. So, if you're still breathing, God's not punishing you. Did you ever think about that? I'm being punished. No, the punishment is death. So if you're still alive, God's not punishing you. So get that out of here. We're renewing our mind. We're getting our soul to prospering here. If you're alive, God is not punishing you. So, you know, don't buy into this. Well, God's punishing me for what I did. I'm just, I'm just having to pay for my sins. I'm just having to pay for this. I'm having to pay for that. No. There will come a day that if you do not accept the alternative, which is Christ and what he paid, if you don't accept that, the day will come when you will pay for your sin, but you'll be dead. You'll be not just physically dead. You will be eternally dead. You will be experiencing the second death. You will be separated eternally from God. And when you get to that point, you can say, I'm being punished for my sins. 
But the truth of the matter is, it's not even that. It's that you, the only reason you're being punished is because you didn't accept the other way. You didn't accept the way. You didn't accept Jesus. So at that point, yes, you would be, you know, you have a right if you insist on paying for your own sins. You got a right to do that. Don't know why you would want to, but you have the right to do that. But if you'll accept what Jesus did, you won't have to pay for your sins. Praise God. Because he already paid. He already paid. It's senseless for you to try to pay too. Galatians 3, 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing might come. Praise God. That the blessing might come. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15 be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I used to read that like this, rightly understanding the word of truth. But then I began to realize that word dividing in there is actually, is actually the right word. Understanding is not the right word. Dividing is the right word. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth, God's word is truth, right? Praise God. But it's, it, it's, it's not like one long document. There is a division, a dividing point in it. And it's not that page that says New Testament. The dividing point is the cross, and everything, see, there, there are things in the Bible that tell you how things were before the cross. And then there's the part of the Bible that tells you now that the cross has occurred, now that Jesus has gone to the cross, now that he has risen from the dead, now we see that things have changed and things are different on our side of the cross. Praise God. So when he talks about rightly dividing the word of truth, divide, see, all right, which side of the cross is this talking about? You know, we read the law. You got to fulfill the law of love your neighbor. You got to, uh, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You shall, you know, and all these commandments. That's the way it was before Christ fulfilled that. Now we are on the other side and on the other side, on our side of the cross, now we are under the grace of God and the good news of the gospel, praise God, that in Christ, what he did counts for me. Before, what I did counted for me. Now, what he did counts for me. Is that, is that, is that ringing a bell with anybody? Is that, that getting in? You know, what he did counts for me. Praise God. But you see, you have to activate that by, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and we believe in our heart that God raised 
him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I find out what he said life should be on this side of the cross, and I acknowledge that all of these blessings can come upon me and overtake me in Christ. I acknowledge him. I acknowledge that he's the one that made, a, made the way. I acknowledge that he is the one I can, uh, the, the one and only reason why I can have healing for my body. Praise God. So today, as we close, I want to first of all, Give an opportunity to anyone who has never received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty, but you've got to accept the payment. Praise God. You've got to accept that it was paid. Praise God. And that's what we do. We, we believe it, and then we seal it with the words of our mouth. Praise God. We, we come into a verbal agreement with that. It's not just thinking, okay, I, I, I accept that. No, we, we must make a verbal commitment to that. See, verbally, that's how you make your commitment. Praise God. So whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting in this room today, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter where you've come from, doesn't matter what your past is, does not matter. What matters is what you're going to do about what I say right now. All right, so this next few words are the most important words you will ever hear, and that is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to accept that Jesus paid the penalty for you, or are you going to try to pay it yourself? If you try to pay it yourself, it will take you all of eternity. But at this very moment, if you will say, I believe what Jesus did. I believe he paid the penalty for me at the cross, and I accept that on my behalf. I choose to put my trust in what he did. And if you will do that in a moment's time, all of that past stuff is remitted, it's gone. And you can stand in the presence of Almighty God, forgiven, clean, righteous, in perfect right standing with Him. And then from that moment forward, you start living your life that way. You start living like you're forgiven. Praise God. You start living like you're clean. You start living like you have right standing with God. So if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, you never put your trust in Him, right now, I want you to say this after me. And if you mean it, if you don't mean it, if you're just saying words because I ask you to, nothing will happen. Absolutely nothing will change. But if you say this because you believe what you're saying, then according to God's Word, you will be saved. Praise God. So let's say this together. 
God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid the penalty for all of my sins, and that he rose from the dead so I could have new life. And right now, I put my trust in what he did. I choose Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sins. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website, and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us, and remember that God is madly in love 